Have you ever crashed a party? Or maybe even crashed a wedding? You've shown up to something that you weren't invited to and maybe snuck your way in. You know, it's interesting to me that there are those who are out there in this world, maybe even in this assembly, I don't know, who get great joy in crashing such events, especially if it is of the rich and famous. Apparently, it's a lot of fun to sneak off to parties, whether it's in New York or Hollywood, where there's an extensive guest list. And quite frankly, if your name's not on the list, you're not wanted or invited, but there's a big thrill in sneaking in. Just getting past security, hoping nobody notices you're there, and getting to enjoy everything that the rich and the famous enjoy that maybe we don't. You know, in the days of Jesus, they had rich and powerful people in the religious community. They were called Pharisees. And Pharisees were very much the same as far as having a guest list. (laughs) There were only certain people that they wanted around them. Only certain people that would make their list. And the others, those other people, (laughs) those sinners, they didn't want them anywhere around. But there was one time in particular, there was a Pharisee by the name of Simon, and he threw a party. Specifically, he threw it for Jesus. He was curious about him. He wanted to get to know him a little bit better. And and I'm sure anybody who was everybody had been invited to this party, and they were having a really good time until somebody crashed the party. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody showed up that wasn't supposed to be there, and that really turned Simon's world upside down. Luke chapter 7, beginning of verse 37, it says, Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. I tell you what, if you're going to crash a party, (laughs) I don't guess there's any better party to crash, or any better way to crash a party than to meet Jesus. But this was a big problem for Simon. You see, for this Pharisee, this was his house, and this was his party. And as a Pharisee, he knew a lot about this lady. As a matter of fact, a lot of people in town knew about this lady. And they all knew that she was a sinner. And if most biblical scholars are correct, many would assume that she was one of the local town prostitutes. I'm sure her presence did put some off. The real issue for Simon was... Well, it was purity. As a Pharisee, he upheld purity. And he would have felt very strongly that just this woman's presence, just her presence could have ultimately defiled everyone else in the room. And while I'm sure her presence really turned him upside down for a minute, it probably also gave him clarity of mind. You see, he had been really interested in this Jesus, really been curious about this man. And now, at least in his own mind, 
by the way Jesus interacted with her, well, maybe it proved to him that surely that Jesus wasn't who He said He was. If He was really this, this righteous man, He wouldn't let this woman touch Him. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching Him, for she is a sinner. And then Jesus tells one of His parables. One of the stories that we've been looking at. It's a very short parable, but a very powerful one. Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Now 500 denarii, that would have been about a year and a half worth of wages. That's a pretty big debt. 50 denarii would have been about a little less than two months worth of debt. Still a lot to owe, but not as much as a year and a half. So you have two debts. You have one really large debt, and you have one smaller debt. But the problem is, neither one of them have the money to pay back the debt. Have you ever owed anybody money? It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? When you know that a bill is coming due, and you don't have the money to pay it, and you know, you know what happens next, right? Maybe you start getting several letters in the mail every few weeks. All of a sudden, your name gets turned over to a creditor. All of a sudden, your phone is ringing off the hook. People are coming at you. All of a sudden, they're talking about, they're talking about court, and they're talking about garnishing your wages. And I mean, there's all kinds of things in our world that can ultimately happen when you are in debt and you don't pay your bills. And as intimidating as those things are, I must say it's nothing compared to what those of the ancient world would have faced. You see, it wasn't a matter of, of creditors or lenders or, or garnishing of wages. In the days of Jesus, if you owed somebody money and you weren't able or willing to pay, you went to jail. Period. No questions asked. That's just the way it was. But what about my kids? But what about my family? What about my responsibilities? doesn't matter you're going to prison these two men had a huge problem they both had debts that they couldn't pay and then jesus went on to say in verse 42 when they could not pay he canceled the debt for both and that's the story that that is the entirety of this parable and in this parable, Jesus teaches us a little bit of, about who He is and what His nature is and what His purpose for being here on earth really is. That He's come to take care of the greatest debt that could never be repaid. The debt of sin that we all owe. A, a debt that is, as... Cade said just a few moments ago, a debt that couldn't be paid by the blood of, of bulls and goats. Those, those woolly animals, that couldn't take care of it. But there was the blood of, of a lamb. Spotless. Pure. Clean. That's who could offer forgiveness. And this woman, 
this woman in this room, she found the only person in that room who had the authority to forgive her. Jesus said to her there in verse 48, your sins are forgiven. You know, an interesting thing about debts, debts usually don't really get forgiven. Not in the sense that they just simply disappear. I mean, look, if, if by chance I owed you $500 and you were gracious enough to say, Blake, listen, it's okay, man. Don't worry about it. Uh, don't, don't worry about paying me back. That's awesome for me, right? But you, you still are out $500. You still have to pay for that somehow. Debts are not usually forgiven. They're just transferred because somebody somewhere along the way has got to pay the price. Somebody's got to pay the debt that is owed. And when it comes to the debt of our sin, again, there's only one. There's only one who has the authority and the power to forgive us of those sins. And it's the same one who made this, this very powerful declaration to this woman all those many years ago in Christ. And in Christ alone is this forgiveness found. Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 1, there beginning of verse 18, knowing you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. This time, I'm going to ask Mark to lead us in a couple of songs. This isn't the invitation song. These are merely a couple of songs for us to allow our hearts and our minds to, to go back to the sacrifice that has been made on our behalf. So if you would now, let's all turn our attention to the screen behind me and join our, our voices together in song as Mark leads us.
You see, when someone, when someone understands the price that's been paid, all of a sudden we become much more thankful. We have much more gratitude toward Jesus, toward what's been done for us. And really to make this point, and to drive it home, Jesus asked this question to Simon. Now which of them, that in reference to those in the parable, now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, and I hear this in a very begrudging tone by the way, (laughs) Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Both of them, both the Pharisee and this woman, both of them were debtors. Both of them were guilty of sin. So why did Jesus ask this all-important question to Simon? It was to get Simon to think about his own personal sins. You see, sometimes it's a lot easier to look at other people's sins and point them out. And we fail to acknowledge our own. We want to act as though we don't have our own. And that's a very, very dangerous place to be. You see, Simon, like a lot of Pharisees, he would have seen himself, well, much more righteous than this woman. And her sins... (laughs) Her sins were a lot bigger than their sins. A lot worse than their sins. Jesus wants us to understand at the end of the day, in the eyes of God, sin is sin. There is no big sin or little sin. There's no worse or better. Sin is sin. Whether you've sinned publicly, like this woman, in great ways in the eyes of people? Or you sin privately, like this Pharisee, and your sins are more of the heart? Either way, there are sins. And they are sins that have to be paid for. My fear, my fear is the temptation for us is to be a lot like the Pharisee where we want to look at other people and we want to find some sort of comfort going, they sin bigger than I do. (laughs) At least I'm not guilty of fill in the blank. But when we do that, at best, we become kind of faithful to religion. And you know what? Just being faithful to religion, you know what that keeps us from? That keeps us from ever having that, that deeper that deeper-rooted thankfulness and gratitude to God for the sacrifice that Jesus made to pay for our sins. We don't want to think about it. We, We don't want to make it personal. We want to make it about other people. And it becomes a self righteous trap. It becomes a very pharisaical place of the heart for us to live. But once we understand the sacrifice of Jesus, we should become more and more like this woman and less and less like Simon the Pharisee. Because we can learn an awful lot from this woman 
she shows us how thankful people should act and how thankful people should respond from their heart. And the first thing we see here is that thankful people should respond emotionally. You know, when she got to Jesus, what was it? She didn't hold back the tears. Listen to what Jesus said. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Now, am I saying today that if you're not crying, you're not worshiping? That is not what I'm saying. But let me ask you this. When was the last time you gave some very serious consideration to the very real sins of yours that the blood of Jesus forgave? When was the last time that you gave some very real consideration to your current sin struggles? And as you thought about those things, you couldn't help, you couldn't help but tears well up in your eyes. When was the last time you sang a song praising the love of God or the sacrifice that Jesus made for you as we did just a few moments ago? When was the last time you sang those songs? Man, you just feel goosebumps. Now listen, I'm not saying that emotion is everything because it certainly isn't. But if there is no emotion, if you don't feel, if there's not a certain stirring in you, when you consider the love of God and the sacrifice of His Son, if there's not an emotion stirring in you, you need to repent before it's everlasting too late. Because you've allowed your heart to harden. Why has your heart hardened? I don't know. But it obviously has if there's no emotion stirring in you when you think about this most precious sacrifice. She also teaches us that thankful people will be eager to serve. You know, Simon didn't do the, like the bare minimum when he welcomed Jesus into his house. Didn't do the bare minimum for him. But this woman, this woman, she's washing the feet of Jesus with her tears. She took the place, she took the place of a servant. And as someone who understands what God has done for us, and again, the sacrifice made for us, and the forgiveness we've received, when we understand that, we should automatically become a people who are much more servant-oriented. Not so we can be forgiven, but church, because we have been forgiven. Because we have been forgiven. And we grasp that. And we appreciate that. And we're thankful for that. And it makes us want to serve other people. Let me ask you, what are you doing from day to day to serve Jesus? How are you using your God-given talents each and every day to serve people around you? How are you living for He who died for you? I guess that's the bottom line question, isn't it? Are you living as a servant? People who are thankful also absolutely adore Jesus. Absolutely adore Him. Again, let's go back to our passage just for a moment. Jesus said, you gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Simon didn't even bother to, to greet Jesus like a friend. But this woman, 
this woman, she couldn't stop kissing the feet of Jesus. She is absolutely showering Him with her, her adoration. That's a big word, isn't it? Adoration. It means to show that you adore someone. In moments like this, when we come together to worship God, do you adore Him? Do you? And when I'm talking about adoring, I'm talking about you pour it all out. You, you just pour everything. You give everything of yourself in your worship and your praise to God. You put your whole heart in it. You put your whole self in it. You put your whole being in this worship and praise of God because you appreciate what He's done for you. And so in return, you want to know how much you love Him, how much you adore Him. So you're putting your whole self in worship to God every time we come together. Or do you yawn through it? Do you find your mind distracted by your to-do list for the rest of the week? Are you busy thinking about all the other places you would rather be than here? If any of those apply or anything else, I'm sure you could fill in the blank with. There's a pretty good chance we're not adoring our God the way that we should. From her, we also learn thankful people will restructure their lives around Jesus. Jesus said, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Now this alabaster flask of perfume, if indeed she was a prostitute, this would have been a tool of the trade. This would have been a way she attracted men. This would have been a way for her to get folks in the mood as it were. This would have been a very valuable necklace. But here she is, pouring it all out at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because she wants Him to know in that moment he is the most valuable being in her life. So he's putting, she is putting everything at his feet. There, there is no longer going to be anything that comes between her and Jesus. What about us? Have we surrendered to that point? Have we fully, completely poured out our lives at the feet of Jesus? I said, no more am I going to be distracted by, by the hobbies. And no more am I going to be distracted by my career. And no more am I going to be distracted by my family. And no more am I going to be distracted by the things of this world. Jesus, I, I just want to pour all of this out at your feet because I want you to know that above anyone else, I love you. Because I know, I know you are the only one that can set me free. You are the only one that can forgive my sins. You are the only one who can give me hope of life everlasting. You are the only one who can give me an abundant life on this earth. I get it! And because I get it, I'm going to pour everything out at your feet. I'm going to quit playing, Christian, and actually live for Christ. We learn a lot from this woman. But we also learn an awful lot from Jesus here. From Jesus, from Jesus, we see an example of someone loving someone into the kingdom. Right? It didn't matter how messy her life was. It didn't matter what her background was. He loved her. 
What a wonderful example for all of us. Let's go back to our text just for a moment. Did you catch the question that he asked Simon? He said, do you see this woman? Do you see her? Not, what does she do for a living? Not, do you know this lady? We all know what she does. What's her sin? What's she guilty of? No. He says, do you see this woman? What does that imply? She's a person. Right? She is a person. She is a being. She is someone with a soul. She is someone with a heart. She is someone with a life. Do you see this woman? Do you see this? Do you see her pain? Do you see her struggles? Do you see this woman? Man. To grow beyond seeing people's past and to finally begin to see people as Christ sees them. It's a wonderful goal. It should be what we're all striving for. Do you ever wrestle, though, personally? Just wrestle with the very idea of Jesus forgiving all your sins? I know I do. I can't help it from time to time. I just find myself getting kind of bogged down in how. How? How would he do it? Why would he do it? I'm so far from where I know I need to be. Why? Why would Jesus ever even want to bother with me? Why would He ever want to forgive me of all my sins? I mean, I've got a lot of skeletons in my closet. Like, why would He want to go into that closet and and give me forgiveness of everything in my past? And and why would He want to give me the ability to not live a sinless life, but give me the ability and the blessing to, to walk in the light, to walk with Him? So I know that even as I sin now, that His blood continually cleanses me, continually forgives me. Wow, why? Why would He ever want to do that for me? If you ever find yourself wrestling with those things, I think that's at a point. It's at a good point. It's at a humble point. When a person is finally ready to obey. They're finally ready to surrender their life when they really begin to appreciate. Maybe we can't grasp, always grasp the magnitude of the sacrifice. But when we can slow down enough and be humble enough to really appreciate what Jesus has done for us. Lord, it's a love I don't understand. It's a love my mind cannot begin to wrap itself around. It's a love that I know is very real. It's a love that could only be a perfect love from God Himself. A love where is on full display for all time and for all mankind through the blood of Jesus on the cross. Man, that's, that's a powerful love. And to know, to know that I can... I can come into contact with that love. I can come into contact with that forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. Wow. It's so humbling. You were with us last week. You saw two people obey the Gospel last week. If there were, I know there was a handful of good folks here yesterday to witness a baptism yesterday. These are amazing occurrences in the lives of people. 
Because in those moments, they are coming into contact with the blood of Jesus, the blood that the Lamb shed. And as they come into contact with that blood, He is removing, He's cutting away the burden of all their past sins. And the Bible tells us that they are coming up out of that watery grave of baptism, ready to walk a new life. What makes it new? It's a forgiven life. That's what makes it new. It wasn't forgiven before. But now it is. It's a new life where the debt of all one's past sins have been erased. Cleansed. Paid for. In full. Through the Son of God. blessing. Jesus said to this woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And today, today I would say the same. For those who have obeyed the Gospel of Christ, your faith, your faith by the grace of God has saved you. Don't ever, ever, ever forget that. Don't ever allow the sacrifice made for you to become a secondary thought in your heart, in your mind. May it always be primary. May it always be at the forefront of our life from day to day so that we can live the thankful life that God wants us to live. If you've never obeyed the Gospel of Christ, do that today. Obey the Gospel today. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins today so you can know so that you can experience the sacrifice of Jesus. Or maybe as I look around this assembly, the majority of us, we've made that all-important decision and I praise God for it. But, as you reflect on your own life, are you more like Simon the Pharisee or are you more like this woman? You know, the woman, she was living a, a public sinful life, but she knew where to go. She knew to go back to Jesus. And for all of us, when we make mistakes, when we fall short of the glory of God, there's only one way to go home, and that's through Jesus' mistakes. When we fall short of the glory of God, there's only one way to go home, and that's through Jesus. Maybe you're kind of like that, that prodigal son we talked about a few weeks ago. Maybe you have fallen away. Come home. Come home today and find that, that forgiveness once more. Or maybe you sit here, you sit here week after week after week, but you're like that older brother in the story of the prodigal son. Or you're like Simon the Pharisee that we looked at this morning. And if you're honest, you've become pretty self-righteous. You, you've started to think that your salvation is, is more found in a pew than in Christ, than in Christ alone. Don't do that. You, you find yourself finding comfort and, and ease almost being able to point at the sins of others while ignoring your own. Don't do that. Today, may we all leave here. May we all leave here in peace knowing knowing that our relationship with God is as it should be. And we're ready to live a thankful life because of the sacrifice it was made for us. We can help you with this or any needs you might have. Won't you come while we stand and sing?